1: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Destra. And, Brooke, we have one of our favorite returning special guests.
2: Yes, we do. And somebody who you're going to hear a lot more from um, in the coming days on the podcast, Taryn Hatcher. How are you doing, girlfriend? I am. Very
0: good. Very well, I should say. Uh, excited to be hopping on here more now, especially as we, it's nice that it feels like we kind of have a a sort of tentative looking forward to save the date for the return of hockey. So it's nice because it's, it's going to come up fast, guys. So it's nice to kind of fill that time with hanging out with you two and chatting some flyers until they come back. But I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be talking about some, some hockey. It feels like only yesterday the season wrapped up because it pretty much was nearly, <laughs> mere days ago. But it's cool that it's going to be coming back so quickly. I'm kind of, kind of amped for that.
2: Thank goodness, right? Yeah. I don't think I could have gone a significant amount of time without having a season to look forward to well and that Gary Bettman
0: I mean I know it was like a formal announcement but that kind of like little news bomb that he he dropped was I don't know if they strategically did it this way so as not to like put too much pressure or hype or whatever on it but I get all kinds of people asking me questions about like what's the like what are they aiming for or whatever and I was like do all of you like casual hockey fans not watch the NHL draft? Did you not see that announcement? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting how that happened. So it'll be cool. I'm I'm excited for it.
1: Yeah. Well, we love having you and we love your insight too. And, uh, I know I think January 1st, obviously that's the date the NHL is shooting for the, for the start of next season. I have a feeling it's going to come very quickly. Like Taryn said, uh, and Taryn, there's some things happening in this flyers all season that we can, uh, Definitely hit on and chat about. Um, While they haven't made a ton of moves, um, still plenty to discuss. And one of the most recent uh, topics was Nolan Patrick's new deal. He accepted his qualifying offer over the weekend. Taryn, what were your initial reactions to it? Obviously, it's kind of a prove-it year for Nolan Patrick after after he missed the entire season last year because of the migraine disorder.
0: I mean, it was one of those things where it seems about right, you Mm -hmm. know, especially because – Uh, It's interesting when I talk to people even like really, really dedicated Flyers fans like they are one sport NHL Flyers fans where they sit there and they're They either just slightly disagree with it or they slightly agree with it, but you don't really get like super adverse reactions or anything like that to this deal, which is interesting, but I think There's nothing else you can do. If you gave him some deal because he was a number two overall pick or whatever, it it just would be too big of a gamble. Um, That being said, he's done enough that you sit there and you go, let's give this kid a year to figure it out uh, at, you know, fairly low number. Obviously, it's a qualifying offer. Mm -hmm. The other thing that it says to me is just, and I I've always gotten this vibe from, from Chuck Fletcher, um, who AV, I feel like hasn't talked about it as much. AV is also technically not coached Nolan Patrick. So you get a lot more from Chuck about it because Chuck was here last year with Nolan as well, or I should say the 2018 2019 season with Nolan as well for part of that season. But Chuck seems very, very optimistic um he's always kept a very optimistic tone about it he's never been dismissive of of it he doesn't i think he tries to be respectful of nolan's health but he never really tries to just avoid the subject altogether he always addresses it head-on and with a very optimistic tone so i wasn't surprised to see that he was re-signed in any way shape or form i also wasn't surprised to see it was a qualifying offer you just got to hope that that means that behind the scenes there is things happening and and that chuck and the front office guys have information that maybe we don't have um about his progression and his ability to return to play um you know i know for a lot of us who are around a lot people will always ask me like what's going on there do you know what's happening and it's just one of those things too where even as a reporter who who could probably poke around and get more information feels like that's an area you just kind of respect and step away from so i don't have a ton of background insight to share but the the deal certainly to me seems like they are cautiously optimistic which is kind of the best case scenario for for him right now because you don't want to rush him back and put pressure on him and put his health at risk it, you know it's it, I think it almost gives him kind of a, a security net of there's not a ton of weight on you to figure this out right away because it is a qualifying offer that he accepted.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, I think the Flyers have no reason but to be optimistic um, about Nolan Patrick. He's only 22 years old. Uh, You know, the future is still bright in many ways. Obviously, there's a really difficult year, um, missing the entire year with with a migraine disorder, you know, a condition that's kind of hard to predict. It's hard to tell how it's going to develop. It's hard to put a time frame on it. Uh, but why not be optimistic? Uh, there's no reason not to. He's one-year qualifying offer, um, proving year for him, and kind of a year where the Flyers will hopefully get to know more about this condition that he deals with and how he can play, maybe and possibly play through it. Brooke, do you feel like um, – I think it, it's been a big topic of, like, should Flyers fans have expectations at this point for Nolan Patrick? Is it more just a wait and see, or should we still expect – big things from him, given he's the second overall pick from the 2017 draft?
2: I think him accepting a qualifying offer is pretty telling to what he thinks of the potential that he has as a player. And I think it's interesting to go down that road where if he denied it and then he got, you know, the short term low balled contract for the next few years, it would have been a very different situation because he accepted the qualifying offer. He has a year to prove himself. He has a year to earn a bigger contract, that second overall pick contract that you would expect from a player of Nolan Patrick's caliber. So personally, I, I think that he's really betting on himself and he's challenging himself to be able to be like, I know what I'm worth. I know I have not been able to show it. I have not been able to prove it. I didn't play at all last season, but I'm here to show the organization, my teammates and Philly really that... I I have it, I have it, and I am going to earn it and show you guys what I'm capable of doing. So I really think that he's up the stakes for himself and it'll be a really interesting situation when and if he does return this following year. Because if he does, who knows what that's going to do for this team? If he doesn't, what's that going to do for the future of his career? i don't know it's it's kind of up in the air, but I, I like the fact that he took the qualifying offer because I think if anything, it shows that he knows that he's worth more and is playing for another contract year so
0: and just to, just to build off of kind of what Brooke said, the interesting thing with the qualifying offer too is that it it sort of puts uh, like a, a timetable on his window to prove himself that should be reassuring. You know, like Brooke said, he he could have denied it, taken a lowball offer for more years, and you're just like, when does this time run out, you know? Yeah. And when you take that qualifying offer, you basically say, like, I can do it now. Um, and I don't know if that's actually the narrative, but that's very much what it gives off, that – that's kind of the connotation that I get from when I first saw that is it, like I said, it's, it's that security net of, he he's not going to be harped on for years and years and years about this. It's going to be, we believe in you now, you believe in yourself now, prove it now. And I think that kind of clarity and sort of just concise, you got to do it in this box, uh, is something that both I think the fan base and Nolan Patrick and probably the team, it's just mutually beneficial for everyone Mm -hmm. because there's nothing like having a guy for years and years and years. And you just, you're constantly being bombarded with questions about when, what if, how, you know, and, and I think the qualifying offer kind of puts a, puts a clear end date on, certain things.
1: Yeah. No one can, you know, really go out there and show what he can do, show that he can play now with this type of disorder that he's gone through the proper treatments to understand it. And also, uh, you know, go about his life and his, and his career with it. Um, if he shows that he can be himself again and play again, then yeah, like you said, it's all good. Flyers will sign him to a new deal and he'll get a, a bigger deal that he probably deserves and warrants uh, it, it, with a player of his caliber. Um, If he doesn't and things don't progress well and there's hiccups, then everyone's going to have to reevaluate it after this one year and say, well, what's next for Nolan Patrick? What's next for the Flyers? Taryn, if you can, give us a little glimpse into Nolan Patrick as a player. Um, We've all seen him play two years, obviously, in the NHL. We know his potential. Um, I think the Flyers know that if they can get the Nolan Patrick back uh, that he was in his first two years and kind of starting to see that glimpse of his NHL potential – it could be really good down the middle with three 200-foot guys and Sean Couturier, Kevin Hayes, and Nolan Patrick. What do you think about that?
0: I mean, it's, it's tough to really say because even, you know, my first year as Sideline with the team, you would see, like you said, you'd see glimpses and flashes of, like, this is why this guy is the number two overall pick. That being said, that 2018-2019 team had a whole host of issues all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it, AV would kind of shake things up to see what works better a lot of times that team was shaking things up to kind of plug holes all over the ship, sort of a deal. And Nolan was still able, I think it's lost on people just how like young he was that season and was still able to play at an NHL level. And was it, you know, this generational star immediately, but who's to say that he doesn't get there. I mean, there's a reason he's a number two overall draft pick, the thing that I will say, and it's, you know, what we've heard and I know Jordan, you've written about it and sure you've written and read about it is what he has to go through to come back. I think as a, as a character player, pe- people are, and, or they should at least, really got to respect that grind because basically the way things go right now is they gave Nolan like, here's your workload this week and we're going to see how you handle it. And if you do okay with it, you're going to do it for two weeks. And then we're going to add something to it. If you do okay with that, we're going to add, we're going to do it for two weeks and then we're going to add to it. And it's a really tedious process. It's like guys complain about bag skates when they're injured. This is like doing nothing but bag skates for a season. And it's tedious work when you're used to working out and really like pushing your body hard. And then you have to go to rehab where basically you're like doing lunges with five pound weights. And you're like, what am I even doing here? And he's been doing it for a season so I think we don't always see in the public what people say about Nolan when you talk to them, because um, he's a pretty reserved, dry kind of guy. Um, but I'm I'm hoping, uh, and I think that we will see a guy who, you know, just ha- has grown as a as a person, as a man, as a hockey player, and hopefully who who knows what to expect coming out of the gates. I mean, I don't think any of us have really seen a player who's dealt with a migraine disorder that kept him out for a season at 22 years old. Like, that's not something we've experienced on the regular. But when you look at the reaction from the team when they saw that he signed his qualifying offer, I mean, Claude Giroux, Kevin hate, like, all these guys who are locker room leaders were just so excited for the guy, which means you got to know he's out there working, and you got to hope that he comes back and has success. So... That's the hope. That's my hope. I'm going to set the intention, put it out in the universe for him. Yeah. Hope it pans out.
1: Yeah. And you, and you really hope, I think every player in the NHL deals with different types of adversity, maybe in different stages of their careers. Um, Maybe this is a blessing in disguise for Nolan Patrick that he goes through this at 21 years old, 22 years old and sees that like, well, if I, if I can overcome this, then I'll be able to deal with anything later on in my career and the pressures that come with, you know, being a first-round pick and the guy that's expected to do things. So let's hope for the best there with Nolan Patrick. At Nissan, we just made your choice for a new car an easier one than ever with our most exciting and fuel-efficient lineup. The choice is yours. Now get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store today at NissanUSA.com. Taryn, uh, Brooke and I have already discussed Erica Stockson's deal a decent amount, but we would love to get your thoughts on it. What did you think about the addition on the blue line? Um, and where do you think he kind of fits in with this group?
0: Well, uh, I think it's a good, I mean, I think it's a good addition for the Flyers. Uh, obviously, the fan base loved when they had a guy like Provi getting involved in the offense as, as a blue liner. And when Ghost did it, they certainly liked it. Uh, and this is a guy who's obviously going to do that. I mean, that's the strongest part of his game is jumping in offensively. Uh, And I've seen a lot and I've read a lot about his uh, chemistry with Patrick Kane offensively, which is like a weird transition, you know, transcends the position group kind of connection. So it'll be interesting to see if he develops that with somebody here uh, and who that player would be. I'm kind of curious to see who would really like Fit as a dish player to a defenseman on the Flyers. Um, only thing that I'm curious to watch, and it's been the you know the obvious critique that he's gotten a lot, is that the strongest part of his game as a as a defenseman is his ability to contribute to the offense. And Philly, as a born and raised Flyers fan who now covers the team and works a lot of people who cover the team and who knows the fan base very well. Uh, The thing that I think Philly people loved about Matt Niskanen and love about certain defensemen is when they can shut down people defensively. And that's not exactly his reputation. That being said, Mike Yeo has done wonders with the defensive group this past year. Um, And so I'm sure – I mean, I'm sure that they – everybody knows the players in this league and who they are before they bring them onto a team and Chuck's the smart guy. But I'm excited to see him on the power play. I think that'll be really interesting to watch. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he had like a 60 – what, a 60-plus point campaign two seasons ago. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to see what he can contribute. I just – I do have – and I, I'd i love to hear your guys' thoughts on the concerns about – you know, one of the the stories I read about somebody who covered him in Chicago said he he will – flounder defensively every once in a while especially if the team is stuck in their zone for long periods of time and how do philly fans specifically react if and when that happens or if it becomes a consistent thing here in philadelphia and who he gets paired with and how they handle it all of that would be very interesting to watch that being said i know I sound like such a negative nancy i do love, i do love the pickup um no but I'm very curious to see how that shakes out.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you look at the positional kind of players, you expect the acquisition, who is supposed to be a defenseman, to defend,
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) basically cut and dry right to the point. I'll be really blunt with that. So like Taryn said, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how his game kind of adapts once he comes to Philly because after um he did once the signing bit did become official we did wind up looking into his game and how we were concerned because he is more left-sided defenseman but he prefers playing on the right side so it'll carry curi- it's I'm curious to see where he's going to be placed who he's going to be paired with and like you said, Jordan, there have been a few defensemen over the past few seasons, and again, we're not going to name names, but there has been – Can we're you name numbers? numbers? <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel – no. I, I'm not. I not. Here, no. I, I'm <laughs> not, because I, I sometimes <laughs> no, have to travel with
0: them, so no.
2: <laughs> he was here two seasons ago, and no one really liked his contract. Um <laughs> I'm sorry, but we were on the wrong side of having veteran defensemen who did not really know what they were doing. And I think that's why people loved Matt Niskanen so much is because he just came right in and threw all of those fears and doubts that fans have accumulated for years and just kind of said, all right, I'm here. Don't stress out. So if Gustafson comes in and doesn't really, nobody's expecting him to come in and be a perfect replacement for Matt Niskanen. We've been saying that since he signed. Mm -hmm. It's impossible because of the caliber player that Niskanen was. However, he's the perfect person right now where if things aren't going right, the blame is going to be pinned on him. Yeah.
0: Um, Were either you guys shocked because he's so different from Niskanen? Sorry, I know I'm not the host, but like that was that was <laughs> something that that was something. That <laughs> I'm just interrupting, right in But I'm sorry, Jordan. I professionally ask questions. It's like the main <laughs> thing that I do um, because I was a little bit. And again, I, it's so hard because I'm like I'm actually very high on this, but I just have so many questions because Matt was literally steady Eddie. When you think about like the term defense in terms of any other thing in the world, not just hockey, your, your defensive structure or your defensive line, or your, with the exception of football, because a defensive line is really an offensive position, but like thinking about like defense in the military or whatever, they're just meant to hold. They're meant to be solid. You know, they're not the offensive machines of that specific thing. The defense is basically meant to hold, and Matt Niskanen was that guy. He was solid. He was like a wall at times that just held people out, which is nice because you think – and I think that Flyers fans especially enjoy simplicity in certain areas, and I think when it comes to defensemen, they enjoy this the simplistic idea of, you put a defenseman out there who defends really well, and I don't care if he does anything else. He defends really well. And you pair him with Ivan Provorov, who became really took that giant leap into being a, a production type of defenseman, but Ivan Provorov is also a Russian machine who defends quite well. So it, it's one of those things where you sit there and you go, we just, and I know that Matt retiring was, even though they, they learned of it a long time ago, everybody I've talked to from the team was very surprised when he made that decision. They're like, this is a guy who has a lot of years of hockey potentially left at him. That being said, I was still a little bit surprised that you, you lose a, a really solid kind of brick wall of a defenseman and you replace him with a, almost more of like a skilled defenseman. Um, and I wonder, you know, where does he pair? What does, you know, how does he work? Who does he work well with? Because if you look at some of the other guys that the Flyers have, like you wonder, I, I don't know, I wonder how his skill set, who goes with him that complements him. Provi and Matt complemented each other very, very well. Sandheim and Myers came to complement each other quite well. So you just wonder where does he fit in there, where he complements a player very well, and what player does is that? How does that impact that player's game? You know, I just I have a lot of I have a lot of questions. Nope, don't cry. Uh, <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> I, I totally understand the questions. I I get it. Like I think everyone was a little taken aback when. You lose a guy the caliber of Matt Niskanen who does everything. He's all situation and like you said, Taryn, I think fans really loved when he would break up one of those two-on-one odd man rushes. Like, every, like fans love that the way he would like play in the defensive zone and block a shot. Like, that's what they really looked at, and they're like, "Wow, we have not had a guy do this in a, quite some time." Um, they don't really care that he put up like twenty-five assists and stuff. It's more those plays, but. Chuck Fletcher said it the other day that they didn't really feel like there was any player of the caliber of Matt Niskanen on the free agent market with the exception of Alex Petrangelo, which mm-hmm. quite frankly, they were not going to go mm-hmm. after work Um
0: I think what it so really, sad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is, there was rumors of interest. Never mind. Ignore me. Keep going. Don't worry. Just keep going. Yeah. I think the Flyers maybe had, maybe
1: they like, peeked in on it, but I just think they knew what, what it would demand in terms of years and money. And they, they just couldn't really pull that off. Um, and then I think what it, when they acquired Matt Nisman, I think they looked at it like, hey, we're going to get two years of this guy. It's going to be awesome. He's going to give us the experience and everything that we want. And then we're probably going to part ways with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, he retires and they only get one year. And I think they thought when they got him for the two that their young defenseman would take some serious strides and they would be ready to be like, Matt, thank you so much for what you did. We're getting younger and we're ready to go. Now, unfortunately, it's expedited a little bit. They're going to, I think, get some serious – they're going to ask for serious strides out of Travis Sandheim and Philip Myers, who Chuck Fletcher says he believes they can be elite shutdown defensemen in their careers. I think they're going to ask a lot more of Justin Braun now to eat up some minutes, play a lot more PK, be that veteran guy that Niskanen was. I think they're going to ask for a lot more. I don't think they're exactly going to ask those qualities from Eric Gustafson. He just makes them deeper. And gives them more ability, but I think they're gonna ask for their internal options to really take
0: the next step. Way to name everybody but Bobby Haig. And Robert Haig. <laughs> <But laughs> I love Robert Haig, but poor poor Bobby, Bobby. Haig really just gets like Yeah. And the thing is is you wanna talk about just like solid, I'm a guy who just defends on defense. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Bobby <laughs> Hanks maybe the main guy who's <laughs> just like, He's I just the child. I don't, I don't really want to score a goal. I'll block a shot by Alex Ovechkin, <laughs> and I don't care. I just want to play defense. He really did. He took a, the one day I asked him, he took a shot from Alex Ovechkin and literally, like, like buckled and then got back up. Like, it, you, you know when the wind gets knocked out of you and you think you're going to die for, like, a minute and a half? He was just, like, wind knocked out of him and then just, like, hit a button and, like, reset. And I asked him the next day, I was like, what is it like to block a shot from Alexander Ovechkin? And he was like, it's not great. And that was all he said. And I
2: was just like, that's Bobby Haig, man. Yeah, it's a special person to willingly want to stop an Ovechkin shot. I, I want to stand on the other side of the boards
0: when Alex Ovechkin shoots. I know. Shots. We like, would flinch all of the
2: time. Him, McDavid, like there are just certain players that have ridiculously quick and fast releases and it just makes you jump. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. So I can't imagine being on the other side of that puck. It's insane. Which imagine is why you- I think goaltenders are. Crazy. You have to be crazy to want
0: to be a goaltender. Looney Tunes. Crazy people. Yes, you're right. And
1: Matt Nisquim was one of those guys who was one of their top shot blockers. He would do it um, no problem. And Robert Hague is a guy that absolutely does that. We know that. I remember Kevin Hayes told me during the season, he was like, Yeah, that's, you know, I know that's not like a real crazy eye-popping stat but he's like that does not go that is not lost on our group we, we value that and we we recognize that and I know they do so yeah Robert Haig will have to step up in many ways too yeah in all honesty everyone will we know what Matt Niskanen uh, does and can do but speaking of kind of like maybe some concerns about them filling a hole um, if we could pick maybe one hole or one area where you think they're kind of lacking and they kind of worry you a little bit it can be anywhere uh, Brooke, what, what do you think? Any position area or uh, aspects of the game that, you, that you're that you a little worried about this team still?
2: It really comes back to the status of Nolan Patrick. Sure. Because I will be concerned for um, bottom six center if he's not back. Um, sure, people are really expecting, hey, maybe Morgan Frost will be ready to jump in next year, but there's not really that kind of, guarantee by any means because he did struggle making that transition from the OHL to pro last year. So it's like, is one more season, is one more off season going to be enough for him to make that next jump? I always had a fear that it was going to take a few seasons for him to really get accustomed to the style of the AHL, NHL. Um, So that's kind of my fear because We banked on, again, once Kevin Hayes came to Philly, people didn't really understand it because they were like, oh, we have Nolan Patrick. Like, he was supposed to be our 2C. Where does Kevin Hayes come in? Then the news came out with Patrick saying that he had his migraine disorder. He was not playing. Imagine how... Baron center would have been for the Flyers last year if they didn't have either of them. And they just had Couturier because Couturier wouldn't have been able to excel the way that he has. So I just, I always like when there are backups on backups on backups and plan Bs and plan Cs. And we had that with Nolan Patrick because we had Kevin Hayes. And then I just, mm, I just have this fear at the bottom six down the middle is going to be a little weak and then i'm just always scared about the power play but that's <laughs> i can have a whole podcast and just complaining about the power play right now but we can save that for another day a rainy day perhaps <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> i think that is a very obvious fear for sure for everyone but uh the one down the middle absolutely i think it's a very fair and justifiable fear for a lot of people you're putting a you know you're banking on a lot of Nolan Patrick and you know the kid hasn't played in a while so Taryn, for you any area that kind of has your has your eyes right now
0: yeah i there's two that i get worried about uh i worry about who whoever plays with provi and how it affects ivan Provorov's play mm. um because he took such a – like he had he had taken such a big step in 2017, 2018, and then kind of regressed in 2018, 2019. And you could see it was really frustrating for him and then took a massive leap this past season. And um, he works so hard and he cares so much that just aside from his contributions to the team, like you want him to be in a position to succeed um, because he's really a guy who just – loves the game of hockey um and you you know for me my my concern is always like we said a bunch of times is that matt niskanen the way matt niskanen played allowed ivan progroff to play the way that he did this past season mm-hmm. so if ivan is paired with a like if ivan's paired with a different player um you wonder how he has to change his game and develop different parts of his game. And he's certainly a player who's able to do that, but then where does that come from? Because even if he takes a step, if you're putting into here, a lot of times you're taking away from there. And so let's say that he has to become more of the shutdown guy on his pairing. You're obviously going to be taking away from his ability to produce offensively and you know, all that. So that's always a concern for me. And then, uh, aside from that, and I I actually don't think it went that unnoticed, but when Tyler Pitlick, when it was announced that he was with the Coyotes now, um, Tyler Pitlick did a lot more than people realized. Tyler Pitlick was like a little engine that could some games where everybody else either couldn't find the back of the net or didn't have the effort level or whatever. Tyler Pitlick was an effort guy, and it did matter. This is this is a team, we've said a million times, this is a dressing room full of really good guys this past season, like really, really good guys. They play for each other. They care about each other. Um, and I think when everybody's in a bit of a lull, and then you see a guy like Tyler Pitlick, who's – you know a firm bottom six guy who goes out there and skates his butt off and hustles after every puck and races constantly towards every puck and i mean it, it seemed like everything he did he did like full speed ahead that mattered to these guys on this team and he had no ego about it, and he didn't care about it so i think replacing a bottom six guy like that is actually harder than people realize talent wise there are certainly comparable players but kind of effort-wise is where it matters. A.B. talked about him a lot. He was used as an example in film study a lot when they would watch back games. Um, just a heart guy like that. I mean, there's other guys like that in bottom six still with this team. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see. Like, who do you guys think will be paired with Proveroff?
2: I think Myers off the bat, um, just because really? Provorov at least knows Meyer style play. Um, not saying that they're just throwing Gustafson with Sanheim just because, mm-hmm. uh, but I think one of the biggest priorities for the blue line next year should be prioritizing getting Progorov to as top caliber as he can be. Um, and if that's a comfort level with him being paired with somebody that he's already with... And that he's already played with then i say myers um but also again it's it's the best thing because if it doesn't work in a game if it doesn't work in a shift you can change it immediately so thank goodness that things like that don't have to be set in stone but i see yeah. my out of the what, game
0: what about you jordan who do you see because we just haven't talked about this so i'm really curious. <laughs> <laughs> sorry no, no, i just no. drive the podcast off course as usual no
1: i love it it's
2: fun it's cool. spice it it's up fun
1: discussion yeah I'm with Brooke. I, I think it'll be Myers. I think the team is really, really high on his upside. I think we started to see some serious glimpses of what he can do um in terms of uh all three zones, neutral zone, defensive end, and then obviously the offensive zone. His I think slap
0: for a shot home, is, is, yeah. puts yeah, it puts he's, it on the rope.
1: But yeah, he's a ready shot and I think they are ready and they're willing to ask him to say, Hey, we want to see you become uh, like a top pair kind of guy and um I think he's that
0: fascinating because if you remember last season he didn't even, he started with the ahl last year yeah, he didn't start yeah. with the flyers and for the first few i don't want to say first few months but probably about the first few months there like every conversation we would have with anybody it didn't matter it was his upside is so high yeah but his mistakes are can be so amplified yeah. and i think after the pause that didn't seem to be the case i don't know if it was because he's very athletic naturally and other guys you know just weren't quite as the guys who's playing against weren't quite as ready to play you know when when you're that young and you're that naturally athletic I think it's easier to adjust to that speed of play quicker but it is interesting that you go from a guy where you're really worried about everybody's so high on his upside but at first people were very cautious about his downside and as soon as this season he could be a d1 pairing that's yeah. crazy yeah. to me. I mean, that was my initial thought too, was like, I guess you'd put Myers there. Yeah. Um, he also cool. seems receptive to coaching. So that seems like that's promising as well.
1: Yeah. And I, I think Brooke and I were talking about it, I think a previous episode that though, I think knowing Vigneault will definitely experiment and try some things. I think he's going to go into it kind of like he did last year where he's like, I don't know everyone uh, yeah. yet. Well, obviously he knows his team a lot better, but I think he's still going to go into it and try something and see what works. Uh, But, yeah, my gut tells me Myers might get the the first shot at it, which is exciting. Hey, it's exciting. It's a young kid, that undrafted guy that they kind of found and developed, and now he's looking like he might be asked for some big-time responsibility.
0: Wild that he was undrafted, too. That always, like – Yeah. I just wonder about – I'd have to look it up, what his size was the year year that he was undrafted. Yeah, I wonder
1: Fire. he's 6'5" now. I wonder if he was like 6'3", 6'4". I know I he
0: know was, I know he was pretty skinny. Size and skating ability alone is
2: crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I also think we did talk about it on I think the end of last week on the podcast as well. It's that as long as he's confident in his play, it really really relates to the kind of performance that he gives and that really comes back to – we were kind of talking about it on the defensive side, but we can talk about it um, with – no, Oh, brain fart, it's Monday. Um, <laughs> Myers is the kind of player where if he steps back and does the basics, mm-hmm. he excels. So I really think that they have to have – Faith admires and know that he's going to be a little more mature in his game in the sense of knowing when it's time to pull back and get back to the basics and just do what he needs to do. Don't be too flashy because there are times where he does and then he collapses and then he's in his head for the rest of the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. We can't really have that every other night. We can't have that in a consistent five-game you know, basis. Like It's something that's... It's really going to be telling right off the bat at the start of this next season, whenever it is, how more he has matured in that sense of, let me just do what I know is right, instead of trying to go the extra mile, so...
0: The perfect example of a guy doing that, though, is Oscar Lindblom. Once Scott Gordon came up in 2018-2019 and Oscar was in a scratch every two nights, Oscar became the Oscar that we saw before his diagnosis. And then he became – I mean, before it was Couturier as the jump starter. It was – if you put anybody on a line with Oscar and Couturier, they get jump started this past season. So, you got I, – I mean, I, I really do think opportunity yields confidence, yields results. So, hopefully he's – you know, I think Oscar Lindblom has an exceptionally high hockey IQ that not most, like most players don't have. So I don't know that Phil, I, I just don't know. Because people, everybody talked to talks about Oscar's hockey IQ. But uh, at the same time, you see the way Lindblom bloomed and you hope that somebody else. Lindblom. Lind, Lindblom bloomed. Lindblom. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm really interested to see how that first D pairing ends up though.
2: Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here
1: to help. We wanted to introduce a fun segment that we're going to do with you whenever you're on, Taryn, and it's going to be a little story time. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this uh, kind of story time idea, how we're going to do it. Um, I can't wait.
0: Yeah, so in Hawaii, we'd call it talk story. Uh, It's basically, I have all kinds of fun stories from the road that don't always like tie into what we're talking about, but I would. I've always wanted to, like, have a place to share them. So basically what I'll do is I'll tell the story. I'll allow both of you to guess who the story is about. I'll allow everyone to guess who the story is about. (laughs) But you'll have to tune into the next show on to find out who the story is about. Because also if somebody's mad at me about it, I can always come back on and be like, hey, sorry. (laughs) But the first one, I don't think they'll care. Because it was funny. And it kind of since we're talking about you know free agency and pickups and everything else uh i I was reminded of it with the stunning taylor hall news that he was going to the sabers and how excited people in buffalo are about pairing him up with jack eichel and seeing the two of them produce which is terrifying because the flyers have not played well in buffalo in the past few years so (laughs) great um so, let's go back to my first season so it was the I want to say it was like November of 2018 and there were all these stories coming out about the leaning tower of Pisa being like like they helped straighten it so it didn't fall over or something. It was it was leading less. Le- whole point of this, leaning tower of Pisa was in the news. And all the broadcasters, TV and radio, a lot of us go out to dinner the night before the games, whenever we get to a city and we're all sitting there talking and we'll talk about our content for the next day or about the game or the league or the players or whatever. And I think even NBC national might've been there. Cause I feel like Bush was there, Brian Boucher, but this story's not about him. He's not the guy I'm talking about. In this story. So radio and TV broadcasters, our producers, our, you know, our associate producer, our director, everybody's there. And somebody was asked about what are we going to make the key to the game tomorrow? Because we have sponsored elements. Key to the game is one of them. We always try to make them like catchy phrases or, you know, something, the news industry. Right. <laughs> uh, so the key to the game, the, this one guy was like, I know what your key to the game should be leaning tower of Eichel or leaning on the tower of Eichel since leaning tower of Pisa was in the news. And oh everybody else stopped and kind of looked at each other like, what, what are you even talking about? Like, <laughs> and, and so finally, because I was new, so I didn't really like, care. <laughs> I was just like, do you mean Leaning Tower of Pisa or the Eiffel Tower? Because Eiffel sounds like Eiffel, yes. but the Leaning Tower of Pisa is in the news. Hmm. And, and the guy was just like, yeah, like Leaning Tower of Eichel, like the Leaning Tower of Eiffel. And I was just like, no, no. The Eiffel Tower is very much upright. The Tower of Pisa is very much leaning. Oh my and god! literally everybody starts busting out laughing because this particular person all day, like when, when they said Leaning Tower of Eiffel, key to the game, it was so sure that he nailed it. And then didn't put together at all that the, the Eiffel Towers in France and it goes straight up. And the mm. Tower of Pisa is in Italy and is on a slant. So I'll let you guys go ahead and guess who you think mm. that that broadcaster or director or producer was. But I'll tell you they were completely confused when they found out that oh Eiffel Tower or the Eiffel
2: Tower does not in fact lean at all. Okay, well, I have one question. Are they still on the team?
0: They are still a broadcaster within any of the- It's Coatsy. I knew everybody was gonna say that, go ahead. It's not Coatsy? It's not Coatsy.
2: Crap, hold on, I want a second thing. I want a second answer then. You go, Jordan.
1: I was thinking Coatsy, um, <laughs> but since it's not the, what I think what we thought might be the obvious answer, I'll, and I, I love him. I'll say Tim Saunders. That's who I'm going to go with.
0: You guys got to find out next week. It's neither one. Oh,
2: episode. sorry. Uh, yeah. Right,
0: well, this who, thought, cool. who thought that the Eiffel Tower leads is the question? That will be revealed the next podcast that I'm on. <laughs> yes. You're sure it's not Cozy? I'm 100% positive it's not Cozy. Because Cozy was sitting next to me, and both of us were like – This man doesn't know his landmarks. He does not know his international landmarks. Like, what are we doing? And nobody wanted to correct anybody and, like, put them in their place, but it was... Right.
1: But you went out there and just did it.
0: it, Well, I was, like... (laughs) Like... Right, like, am I hearing this right? Well, so that... And I'm also sitting there thinking, like, I'm new and I don't want to sound dumb, but is there, like, a tower that sounds like Eichel that leans? Like, what are we talking about? So... (laughs) But no, there's not, there's just the Eiffel tower and there's a leading tower of Pisa. And it made no sense. There's also, I'll give you one more story that I will reveal on a different one. We went to some bar and somebody ordered, uh, this is also in Buffalo, this is how I remember the story. We went to a bar uh, for dinner. It was like the bar in the hotel where they serve food. And they had like real like sports bar food, like fried calamari and mozzarella sticks wings whatever and
1: uh <laughs> you're probably like should i tell this or no
0: i don't even know how to tell it <laughs> uh, and one of the one of the broadcasters we were with asked what wine paired well with the fried mozzarella sticks <laughs> <laughs> and i was sitting there like i know i'm 25 and i don't know a lot about wine but like I don't think wine really pairs with like previously frozen, deep fried mozzarella sticks. But more of a beer drink, like a right? full like, red a beer like,
2: with mozzarella yeah. sticks. I wouldn't be like, ah, no. oh, yes, a nice dry red wine. I know wines and mo- cheeses sticks. pair,
0: but I don't know. So <laughs> you guys can go ahead and and guess your two till the next time I come on, and I will reveal at that point in time. Who, uh, who doesn't know their historical landmarks and who <laughs> really likes a good wine and cheese baron, I
1: guess. Is it,
0: is it the same uh, person?
2: No, it's two different
1: people.
0: Okay. Is
2: this also on the production team or is it a player? This is,
0: both of these are broadcast people. I will do player ones going forward, but I gotta figure out which ones I can right. I can really do. I have so many good ones that I'm like, oh. I
2: I don't know why Bill's in my head, but I
0: (laughs) I don't know why. Does Bill seem like a mozzarella stick man to you? No. (laughs)
2: But I'm also sitting here, and I'm like, I really think J.J. and Jonesy would know what to pair with mozzarella sticks. These are hard.
1: They are hard. I'm going to go Keith Jones. I'll go Keith Jones.
0: I'm gonna have to tell you guys next time I want. I can't tell oh, you either. Yeah. I mean, none of you guys have been right about
2: anything, but I'll tell you no. next time I want. Young. Well,
1: this is good. We're eliminating options for those of list that are listening and want to guess themselves. So that's right.
2: Good. Sheesh, you're welcome, guys. There's only like four other people. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like I could do
0: some uh, some broadcast horror stories on here too, if you guys if we you guys, guys really to want. Them. I look forward yeah. to it because we've had some doozies. <laughs> we've had. Yeah. I've been kicked out by security. Everything—it's in <laughs> my two short years. I've been told I was a fire hazard. All kinds of stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing that's where you were standing. I hope that's what it meant, uh, like where you were standing. In I'll this. have to like save
2: now. that story for another day. Yes. Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> well, for those listening, you—you, you, we already eliminated some options for you. So, get your guesses out there, and you're going to know the answer next time Taryn Hatcher is on, which will be very soon. Um, but feel free to tweet at Taryn, <laughs> and maybe she'll give you a tip or two. Uh, but Brooke and I already eliminated some of the options, but yeah. uh, we cannot wait to get those answers. But
0: if you want the fire hazard story, let me know too on Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yes, there we I'm go. I'm here.
0: I'm There's here, and there. I look at them, even though I don't answer to some
1: of them. <laughs> well, Taryn Hentra, thank you so much for joining us. Always a bless, and cannot wait to have you on more, and cannot wait for those answers. Thanks a ton for coming on.
0: Mahalo nui loa. There we go. Brooke
1: Destra, thank you very much as always. Love chatting with you, and we'll chat with you uh, some more soon. Uh, special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, this is your latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.
0: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader.